I'd like to invite you to join me in prayer as we ask God's direction over this study. As far as possible, uh, bow with me. Yes, Heavenly Father, we once again want to thank you. And once again, want to recommit our lives. And Lord, at this very moment, as we open up scripture and study about Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Creator, we ask, Lord, that our minds may be free from many worries, may be free from many concerns. That, Lord, all those things that may be uh, a matter of concern to us, all those things that may have uh, preoccupied our minds over the week. May we, Lord, be free from that now. May we trust in you and leave all of that in your hands. And may we open our hearts and minds and ears to your message this morning. Please anoint my lips and may I speak from you only. That the ideas and uh, the words that I'm going to say here may represent the ideas that you have for us and not my own. This is my humble prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. A, a pastor was talking to someone who had recently oh it's still not up there sorry a pastor was uh, talking to someone who had uh, recently come into the faith and they were talking and the pastor turned to him and said Carl if you had a 100 sheep, would you consider giving 50 of them to the Lord's work? And Carl responded, yes, Pastor, you know that I would love to do that. I would gladly do that. And fine, and the pastor turned to him and said, and, and Carl, if you had 50 cows, would you consider giving 25 of them to the Lord's work? And Carl said, yes, Pastor, you know that I would love to do that. I'll be more, I would be more than happy to do that. And the pastor said, and Carl, if you had two goats, would you consider giving one of them to the Lord's work? And Carl was upset, and he turned to the pastor and said, that's not a fair, fair question. That's not fair. And the pastor said, why not? Because you know that I do have two goats. And I see myself in this man, actually, because we sometimes say, if I had one million dollars, I would give half of it to the Lord's work. But yet I'm reluctant to, to give a five dollar bill when the plate comes around. I'm reluctant to return the 10% that the Lord requests, requires for himself. I see myself in this man when I say that if I had the time, if I had more time, I would give it to the Lord. But yet, we all have time. We all have a 24-hour day. My day yesterday had 24 hours, and I'm convinced that yours had too. And uh, we do have the time. It's just a matter of priority. So we, re we are reluctant to give back to the Lord that which we have. And many times we talk about giving something we don't have. 
But here we are talking about giving something to someone who gave it all. Who gave all that he had, including his life. This is Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, who left his place of glory in heaven and came down to be born as a baby and to live as a man in flesh and blood like we are and eventually give his life, offer himself as a sacrifice on the cross. But let me go back to my initial point. I really want us this morning to leave this place seeing how Jesus is central to our faith. How Jesus is central to our personal relationship with God. Many times we as Christians, we look at Jesus Christ as a historical character, as a historical figure, even us, ourselves. We look at Jesus, yes, he is God, he's the one who came and was born and ministered for roughly three and a half years and eventually gave his life on the cross. He was bitten, he was flogged, he suffered, and he gave his life. And three days later, he rose up and he's now in heaven. But, but that's it. So he's our savior. He's the one who gave his life for us. And we find ourselves living a life that does not have much relationship with that Jesus Christ. So the, questions, the question for us today is, who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus according to the Bible? Who is this Jesus for you? Who is this Jesus for me? And I'm going to, to highlight here some of the characteristics, some of the attributes that the Bible ascribes to Jesus. And I want you to follow me because some of these uh, roles, some of these characteristics, we usually ascribe to God the Father only. But the Bible clearly shows that these are Christ's attributes. It is true that Jesus Christ, he did not have this name before he was born of Mary. But we know that Jesus Christ has always existed, even though he was not flesh and blood and he did not have this name specifically. So the Bible says that Jesus is God. In John chapter 1 verse 1, the Bible says that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. The Word here is representing Jesus Christ, right? And so in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with Jesus, the Word was with God, and the Word was... God. So even though John says that the word was God, if we believe that God is eternal, that God is immortal, that God is everlasting, so Jesus was God, God and he is God and he will forever be God. What else does the Bible say about Jesus? The Bible says that Jesus was the very agent of creation. He was the one in the forefront of every action every creative action of God, of the Godhead. John, in chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, he says that everything that was made, if it weren't for Jesus, it would not have been made. Everything that we see in creation was actually effectuated by Jesus Christ. He was the one. He was the agent of creation. He was right there at the forefront. 
The Bible also says that Jesus Christ is the lawgiver. James says that Jesus is the Savior and the the lawgiver. The Lord is the lawgiver. There is one lawgiver. There is one Savior. That's what James says. Isaiah 33, 22, Isaiah says that Jesus, the Lord is, is our salvation. The Lord is our strength. The Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. It is Him. It is Jesus. The second person of the Godhead. Not second in, in rank, but as we normally say, He is the second, God the Father being the first. But it is Jesus, according to the Bible, who is the lawgiver. Not only he is the lawgiver, but even so, even more because he is the lawgiver, he is also the judge. And we usually think of God the Father being the judge. But the Bible says that Jesus is the judge. In John 5.22, Jesus says, The Father himself, he doesn't judge anyone, but he gives all judgment to the, to the Son. And in Matthew 25, 31 to 46, that's the parable that Jesus is talking in. He's saying that at the last day, he says, the Son of Man will be sitting on his throne. Jesus is speaking about himself. He's not talking about the Father. The Son of Man will be sitting on his throne, and then the King, the one who is on the throne, which is Jesus Christ, the King, he will separate the sheep from the, from the goats. So Jesus is the one who is going to say, come, into, come enter into the kingdom of my Father. He is the king. He is the judge. The Bible also says that Jesus is the Savior. In Matthew chapter 121, when Joseph was betrothed, he was engaged to Mary. And he found out that Mary was pregnant and he was considering uh, walking away from that relationship quietly without publicly exposing Mary or himself. And he was just about to do that when the angel came and said, Don't do it. Don't do that. She's pregnant of the Holy Spirit. And you got to stay with her. Because the being that will come out of her womb, you, will ha- you have to name him what? Jesus. That's where he got his name, that name. You'll name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is the Savior. The Bible says that Jesus not only is the Savior, he is the very sacrifice. John looked at Jesus when he was preaching out in the wilderness and Jesus was coming and he pointed out to Jesus and said, Here comes who? The Lamb of God. That takes away the sins of the world. He is the sacrifice himself. Not only Jesus is the Savior. Not only is he the sacrifice. He also is the priest. The one who offers the sacrifice. Hebrews 6.20 confirms that Jesus is the high priest. The one who not only offered his body. But who officiated the sacrifice. This is Jesus. Like I said, some of those uh, names for Jesus, some of those characteristics, we, we may think that they are God, the fathers, but it is Jesus all throughout the Bible. The Bible also says in the beautiful poetry of the prophet Haggai, Haggai chapter 2 verse 7, that Jesus is the desire of all nations. 
He is the one from, from ever since Adam and Eve were created. Until our days and into, into eternity. He is the one to whom all people come looking for hope. People from all nations, from all walks of life look to Him, look up to Him for hope. And enjoy in their lives. Haggai says, And I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. That's Jesus. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Are you still following me? It's all talking about Jesus. This is all talking about the Son of Man. This is all talking about, about him who we say is the second person of the Godhead, of the Trinity. But the question still remains, who is this Jesus in, in practical terms? Not only a historical figure. And there is one image in the Bible that I think is, is probably the most uh, intimate as we think about it. When the Bible says that Jesus is Emmanuel, that Jesus is God with us, Jesus is God within us. A woman was uh, sleeping with her husband and sleeping with her husband, and the, in the morning she just had woken up, and she turned to her husband and said. I have a strange, I had a, a, an interesting dream, rather. And I had a dream that she would bring me a, a very beautiful pearl necklace and offered me as a gift. Would you, would you know, would you happen to know what that dream means? She asked the husband. And the husband said, you will find out tonight what the dream means. And so the day was spent by, and in the evening, the husband came home with a nice uh, small package, nicely wrapped, and he handed it to his wife. And the wife was quite convinced that she was going to get the pearl necklace. And she opened up the package to find a book inside. And the title of the book was The Meaning of Dreams. The meaning of dreams. And it's not so with Jesus. Jesus is the one whose revelation has been so real that he has taken the form of human beings. That he has assumed our form, our structure. So much he wanted to reveal himself. So much God wanted to be one with us. But on top of that, not only he became flesh and blood, but he, being the word, he provided us with the Bible. He provided us with this book that uh, throughout centuries and millennia has been preserved in some way or another by God's miraculous grace. And it's made available to us. The prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And shall call his name Emmanuel. 
And sure enough, as the angel was talking to Joseph, as Joseph was considering leaving, walking away from Mary, the angel said, uh, you stay and you will call him Jesus and he will be the savior of his people. So all this was done, says the Bible, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall conceive, shall be with a child. Uh, sorry, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And in fact, John, in chapter 1, after saying that the word was with God and the word was God, he says in verse 14, 14 that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is Jesus who became flesh and we beheld his glory. The glory as of one of the only begotten of the Father, full of great grace and truth. So I want you to be with me for a few more minutes. And I'm going to make a statement that the Bible is the whole Bible, not only the last book of the Bible, but the entire Bible is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The whole Bible contains the teachings of Jesus Christ. And the Bible contains the very words of Jesus Christ. And we need to, to learn that. We need to keep that in mind. Because we need to bring Jesus into our lives and make him real to each and every one of us. Not only as our Savior who came in the past. Not only as a helpless babe who was born of Mary. Not only as, as the one who suffered physically and went to the cross. The one who suffered emotionally carrying the burden of our sins. But we need to relate to Jesus in a very practical and effective way today. Because he is the central figure throughout all the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Look at these two passages here, for example. In Matthew 4, 4, Jesus was being tempted by the devil. And Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And we, we constantly, or we usually say that Jesus was quoting uh, Moses' writings, when Moses wrote that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. However, those words were given to Moses by Jesus himself. Every interaction, every interaction from the creation of Adam and Eve all the way to this very moment, every interaction between the Godhead and the human race has been done by Jesus and through Jesus. So Jesus is repeating himself. He's repeating the very words that he had given to Moses in the past. It's true that he was quoting scripture because Moses had written that down. But he was repeating the very words that he had given Moses to write. In Matthew 27, 46, Jesus was at the top of his anguish. 
right there on the cross and he shout and about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying Eli Eli lama sabachthani that is my God my God why have you forsaken me and those were the words that Jesus had given to David when he wrote Psalm 22 verse 1 my God my God why have you forsaken me and rather than thinking that Jesus was simply quoting David, we'd rather believe that David had received a special revelation of the moment when Jesus was suffering. Why do we say that? If we keep going, Psalm 22, verse 1, he says, My God, my God, we just read, why have, thou, have you forsaken me? And then in verses 16 to 18, David writes, For dogs have surrounded me, the congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. There is not an episode. There was not an episode in David's life where he went through that literally. Where he had his hands pierced. Where there was some attempt to break some of his bones, but yet he was able to, to go through that unscathed. There is no episode in David's life. He was speaking prophetically, pointing to the moment where Jesus was being crucified. And in fact, dogs uh, that were uh, in, in, in man's flesh were surrounding Jesus, and they were piercing his hands, and they were trying to break his bones, which didn't happen because he was protected but they they divided his garments among themselves those are prophetic words that Jesus had given to David himself and Jesus said those words when he was on the cross now follow me in these two next passages here I'll, I'll, we're going to look at three passages and please follow with me here Jesus was having a confrontation with the Pharisees. Or rather the Pharisees were confronting Jesus. And they were saying that uh, we know whom our father is. Our father is Abraham. We are children of Abraham. But we don't know about you. We don't know where you come from. And Jesus says, I've, I've known Abraham for a long time. Abraham in fact he saw my day. And he rejoiced. And at that very moment, the Pharisees were enraged and they, they got stones to stone him. And they said, you are not even 50 years old and you claim to know Abraham. Now you got crazy. You're totally full. And Jesus goes ahead to say in John 8, 58, Most assuredly, I say to you that before Abraham was, I am. Now, the I am for, for the Jewish mind was very, very marked, very strong. They knew that God had revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush. And Moses saw that bush burning, burning and he was intrigued by that. And he said, I got to come closer and, and find out what's going on. And as he's coming closer, God speaks to him and says, Stay where you are and take off the sandals of your feet because the place where you're standing is holy ground. 
And then God talks to Moses and says, I have chosen you to deliver, deliver my people. And you will go there and you will tell Pharaoh that you are there to take my people out of Egypt. And you tell the people themselves that you are there to relieve, release them. And this is what you're going to do. And Moses turns back to God and says, but how are they going to trust me? I'm going to talk to them and tell them that I'm there to deliver them. But they are going to ask me, who has sent you here? On, on, on what authority? On whose authority do you come to deliver us? And God said to Moses, this is what you're going to tell them. You tell them that I am has sent you. You tell them that I am who I am. This is my name. And so when Jesus is discussing with the Pharisees, when Jesus is stand up to, to the Pharisees, standing up to the Pharisees, and he says, I am before Abraham was. Jesus is saying that he was the one who was right there in the burning bush speaking to Moses. It was not God the Father. It was Jesus. And even more than the Pharisees were enraged because Jesus of Nazareth was assuming divineship. He was assuming that he was God. He was the one who spoke with Moses, their leader, their, their great commander. But follow me here. So it's clear. It's the words of Jesus. Jesus is saying, Jesus is stating clearly that he was the one right there speaking to Moses. And in Exodus chapter 6, Moses, uh, just before we read it, Moses went out and spoke to Pharaoh and spoke to the people. And Pharaoh was reluctant. He was not willing to let the people go. And Moses comes back to talk to the Lord. And Moses says, yes, uh, Pharaoh is not willing. And, Jesus, and, and God says, uh, here is what you're going to do. You're going to look and see what I'm going to do for the people. How, how mighty a hand I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on Pharaoh. You're going to see everything I'm going to do to Pharaoh. And eventually he'll let the people go. And so it's the same, it's the same being Moses is talking to. The same one who was there in the burning bush. It's the same person. It's the same God. And so Moses comes back to, to the Lord. And the Lord says, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go. And with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. I am is the same I am who I am. It's the same person who was there behind the burning bush. And the, the word that is translated by Lord here is the Hebrew Yahweh, which is translated in the King James, sometimes in the King James, not all the time, but it's translated as Jehovah in English. So Jesus is the one who was there giving the law to Moses from Mount Sinai. He was the same one. He was the one who delivered the people out of Egypt. He was the one who was in the column of fire in the night and the one who was in the cloud during the day. He was the one who gave the law from Mount Sinai to Moses. 
He is the one who took them, who helped them cross the Red Sea. He is the one who took the people all the way into the promised land. He is the one who has been there with Jacob, who was there with Jacob, wrestling with Jacob and Jacob with him. He is the one who has been near everyone. Every interaction of the Godhead in the Bible has been done through Jesus. He was there when Adam and Eve lost their son Abel. And they struggled with that. They suffered because of that. And he's the same who's been there all the time. And he's been here for you today. There are people who have lost children. It's probably one of the most awkward things. To have a, a parent to have to bury a child. But Jesus knows what that is. He never had a child. But he was next alongside every person in this universe and this planet that has ever lost a child he's been there he's been suffering along with them he was there when Joseph was sold by his brothers and thrown unjustly into prison he was there all the time next to Joseph and he's there with you today when people betray you when people forsake you when your family turn their backs on you because you have accepted Christ he is there with you all the time. He was there when the people of Israel had nowhere to go. He had the sea before them. They had the sea before them. They had the army behind them. And the Lord made a way where there was no way. So likewise today. You may look at things in your life. You may look at your family. You may look at your situation and think there is no way out. But the Lord has a way. The Lord has a thousand ways to solve issues where you can see no way. The Lord was right there when Daniel's friends were thrown into the fiery furnace. He was even physically there in the fiery furnace with them. And likewise today. Just like the Lord was with Daniel when he was thrown into the lion's den. And he shut the mouth of the lion. The Lord is here with you today. Whatever you go through. In the fiery situations of your life today. When fiery temptations come. When things come that you think you cannot resist. The Lord is right there with you. He knows what it's all about. He's able to, to overcome lions and tigers and bears. He's able to protect you. He's able to strengthen you. The Lord's been there all the time. He was there when all of the widows in the Bible lost their children. He was there when, when the blind man was restored of his sight. He was there for the disabled. He was there for the downtrodden. He's been there for those suffering under the load of oppression. He's been there for the sick. He's been there for those who have been ill for a long time, maybe for five years, for ten years. He was there for a man who was lying down for 38 years. And would have, would continue there through his death if it weren't for Jesus. So likewise, Jesus is right here next to you. That's how the book of Hebrews chapter 2 
verses 17 and 18. That's how the Bible depicts Jesus right next to you. He had to be make, made like his brothers in every respect. So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. To make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And remember that the word tempted in the Bible refers not only to temptations of the flesh, but it refers also to trials. When you are tried, when you go through difficult things in life, Jesus knows it all. Jesus may not have suffered in flesh, Every single particular situation that we have. And that every human being has throughout the 6,000 years or more of sin in this world. But Jesus has been right there next to all of them. And he has experienced everything you've been through. Because he's right here next to you. And so he's able to help you. He's ever present. He's not only the helpless infant baby of Mary. He is not only the itinerant preacher of the past. He is not only the savior and sacrifice who offered his life on the cross. But he is ever present. He lives today. He is right here next to you. He is here represented by the Holy Spirit. Spirit. He is real. I can tell you he is real. I spoke with him this morning. The Bible says that you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. A minister was traveling in a train next side to a to a, a young man, and the young man was reading the newspaper, and he was uh, worried and concerned with the situation of the world, and. Even though the young man was a Christian, he felt like his faith was too weak. And so many were his temptations. And he turned and told the minister that he didn't think he would be able to stand life even a week longer. So the pastor looked to him and he picked his Bible and said, Look, I'm going to make this pen. I'm going to make this pen stand right here, in spite of all the rocking of this train. I'm going to make it stand here all balanced. And, and the young man looked at it and thought, well, there, it may be some magic, some trick. I'm going to look fixedly to that to see if I can see what's going on. And he turned to the pastor and he said, I don't think that's going to be an easy thing, sir. And he said, okay, you look at me. Look at me. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. It's not falling down. And the man says, that's not fair. You're holding it. You're holding it. And the pastor said, that's, that's exactly the point. You cannot stand up by yourself. You cannot stand up alone. But there is someone. There is someone who is next to you and is willing to protect you. And to strengthen you. And to keep you strong. Whenever it may seem that you are drowning, the Lord will be right there waiting for you to help you. It is my desire this morning that we may look at Jesus as, as the one who is constantly with us. 
represented by God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is making intercession for us right there in the heavenly sanctuary. He's the Savior. He's been the sacrifice. He's now the high priest interceding for us in the heavenly sanctuary. But through the Holy Spirit, He's with us. He can be with us every single moment of our lives. As long as we invite Him and we allow Him to. May we see Jesus in all of His beauty. In all of His power. May we commit our lives to Him every day. And into the new year. May God bless you all.